Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, send it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and uh, become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Uh, before we do get started, I want to encourage you to pick up your copy of Slime Incorporated. It's my first uh, mystery novel, and it is out, and it's available as a paperback and also in a variety of ebook uh uh, formats. Joni mailed in to say she purchased it in the iBook store. It's also available in the Nook store. And, uh, if you have one of the ebook subscription services like Oyster or Scribd, uh, you can download it as well to read. So I do encourage you to pick up your copy today. Uh, really try to make it a blending of traditional detective stories with a good 21st century flair. The title is Slime Incorporated. All right, well, let's go ahead and get into today's episode of Pursuit. And uh, we had one lost episode, so today's episode original air date was August 14th, 1951. And the title is Pursuit of the Knife Boys. And now, Pursuit. A criminal strikes and fades quickly back into the shadows of his own dark world. And then, the man from Scotland Yard, the famous inspector Peter Black, and the dangerous, relentless pursuit. When man hunts man. Ben Wright starred as the famous inspector Peter Black of Scotland Yard. We bring you tonight's story, Pursuit of the Knife Boys. I'm going to ask you to pick the boys out of the group standing over there, Mr. Westbourne. Boys. Pack of animals. Animals. One face. Just let me recognize one of them and... We'll take care of it, sir. Don't you worry about that. All we want from you is positive identification. And we'll wait here. They're all here, sir. Ah, thanks, Moffitt. Ask them to form a line, will you? Right, sir. All right, lad. Make a straight line. Up to it now. Inspector, that one, the thin one. Well, not yet, sir, if you don't mind. We'll wait until they're ready. A little more room on the end. Face forward. Down up your edge, please. Not shouting. All correct, sir. Thank you, Moffitt. Now, if you'll come with me, Mr. Westbourne. Uh, 
We'll start at this end. If you can recognize one of them, sir, you just say the word. I shall. I'll say the word. Just you wait. I'll say it. Is there one that... I understand, sir. Now then, if you can pick out the others. I'm not sure. I think... Let me see his hands. Hold out your hands, please. They look about right, but... uh, I'm not certain, eh? It was almost dark, you know. Was there anything in particular about his hands, sir? Well, they were big and very big for a boy that age. I can remember them as they pushed Gert off the pavement. Big, ugly hands. I, I'm not sure about this one there. Maybe the light. Yes. I think so. I'm almost sure he's one of them. Step forward, please. Yes, he's one. Right, sir. That one. The tall, thin one. Step forward, please. Not so brave now, are you? Having a knife with you. Let me see what you can do when you're not fighting a woman. Oh, that's enough, Mr. Westmore. Stop it. Let go of me. Let me go. I want to smash it, rotten little green. I want to smash his face. I'll kill him. Kill him. Please. Put me in a room with him. Give me five minutes. Please let me go. No, try to control yourself, sir. Control? Were you there? Did you see what they did to my gut? Were you there? It was a day in August. Humid, cloudy, and with a promise of rain before evening. We were in an open court at the yard where men were put up for identification. Mr. Lawrence Westbourne and his wife Gertrude had been attacked a week previously by four youths armed with knives. The man had been badly slashed and beaten. His wife, well, according to the hospital authorities, her physical condition was satisfactory. Nothing more. The attack had taken place in Shadwell. The couple on their way home from shopping, a darkened side street, an alley, and then blind, wicked assault and robbery. They'd made off with two pounds, ten and fourpence and a gold watch. I took Mr. Westbourne upstairs to my office and gave him a glass of whiskey. He sat in the leather chair, still visibly shaking with frustrated anger. You don't know. You don't know what it's been like these past days. Thinking of Gert. Seeing her at the hospital. Then I see him. You picked out two of the others, sir, and I wonder about them. Didn't you feel the same way? I don't know. But that same one, smiling, knowing what he's done. I must explain something to you, sir. When we put a man up, or as in this case, men, for identification, we have to be certain that the witness is very sure. Our memory is an odd thing. Sometimes it's rather unreliable. Do you think I'll ever forget the faces of those devils? Do you ever think I... You've forgotten the faces of two of them, Mr. Westbourne. Or let us say, mistaken the identity of two. What do you mean? Now, the first four you picked... The grocer's boy in Hammersmith. We brought him down here. 
The second, with the large hands, one of our own messengers, Tommy Sutton. Now, I, I can assure you that neither was in any way involved in your case. Uh, but the third... I don't care what you say about him. It could be your son and I'll tell you he was there. Yes, there's little doubt of that, sir. We're holding him for questioning and further identification. Further identification? Why? What more do you want? Your wife, sir. No. I won't allow it. She said it now. I won't allow it. In a case of this sort, sir, we have no choice. I won't. That's all there is to it. Now, now look here, Mr. Westbourne. We know that this gang has been working the streets and parks for five or six months. Now, this is the first chance that we've had to make a positive identification. You and Mrs. Westbourne are not the first victims by a long shot. And unless we can get your cooperation, you won't be the last. I've identified one of them. Make an example of him. Whip him. Send him to prison. We can send him to prison, but that's not enough, sir. We want the three who are with him, too. He won't split on them. They never do. Unless... Unless what? We can frighten him enough with the penalty involved. I... I can't... She's hurt and sick. Could only mean court newspapers. No, I, I, I can't. It, it's not fair to her. Uh, will you at least think about it, Mr. Westbourne? Talk to your wife? Now, I understand your feelings, but remember... You can very possibly prevent this sort of thing from happening again to someone else. Someone else's wife. There are other gangs and there'll be more. Unless, well, that's up to you and Mrs. Westbourne. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. The man whose face still bore the marks of knife and fist left my office. At that time, I had little hope that he would allow us to bring the suspect before his wife for identification. A few minutes later, Moffitt came in. He'd brought up the boy who remained outside under guard. A tough nut, sir. I don't think you get much out of him. Now, what's his name? Henry Brewell, 21 Bethnal Green Road. Mm -hmm. Have they got him in criminal records? No, sir. Family? Mother. Father's a salesman. Away at the moment. Does he admit anything? Not that sorry. Said he was playing pool at the time. Said you can prove it. We'll give him a chance to. Send him in. Right, sir. Come in. You are Henry Brewer? Yeah. So what? Muffin? American film, sir. Oh. What have you got to say about this? Nuts. Really? You realize that the present charge is armed robbery and that if the man's wife makes identification, you'll go to prison for a very long time? You've got nothing on me. I don't know nothing about that guy. I was with my chums playing pool. You can find out if you want. We shall. What are the names of these chums? Oh, there was uh, Elf, Ginger, Raj, Beetle... Few more I can't think of now. Oh. The proprietor of the pool room can swear to your presence that evening? Oh, Liggins? Of course he can. I see. And you deny having any part in the attack on either Mr. or Mrs. Westbourne? Yeah. You never carried a knife? Yeah. I assume you mean no. Yeah, I never carried no knife. Uh -huh. 
Well, it follows, then, that you've not been involved in any past attacks and robberies. That's right. Have you ever heard of a gang who call themselves the Knife Boys? Never heard of them. Can you think of any reason why the man who identified you should have tried to hit you? Yeah, sure. You put him up to it. I've seen cops do that before. It's a frame-up. Oh, yes, of course. Yes, it would be. That's the address of the pool room, bro. Corner of Goff Line on Bethnal Green. You ask old Liggins, he'll tell you it's his place. At what time did you say you were there? From seven till nine, anyway. Very well. Muffet, we'll drive down this afternoon. You'll have the car brought round at four. Yes, sir. And put him in a cell. Crowd, sir. Yeah. You uh, wait here. Walter. You, Mr. Higgins? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Chief Inspector Black, Scotland Yard. Oh, happy, I'm sure. I shall require a statement from you concerning the movements of a boy who claims to have been in here last Wednesday between the hours of seven and nine. Who? Henry Brewer. Henry. Now, let me think. Hmm. Last Wednesday? Yes. Wednesday, huh? Henry Brewer. Nice lad. Wednesday, huh? Yes, he was here. I'm sure of it. But to be on the safe side. Alf! What's up? Was you playing with Henry Brewer here last Wednesday, 7, 8, or uh, 9 o'clock? Henry? Yes. Why? A gentleman inquiring. Tell him Ginger was here, too. And Rod and people. We all saw him. He didn't leave the place between those hours? No, not while I was here. Oh. You'd be willing to swear to that in court? May I perish on this spot if it ain't the old ruddy truth? Oh. You'd better move over, Mr. Higgins. Thank you. Any luck, sir? No. Either the man's lying or Mr. Westbourne made a mistake. But I don't think so, Moffitt. Come on. Strikes me that memories are much too good in here. Good luck, Al. Two bob on the next. Right. Eight in the side. Eight in the side. Here goes. Two bob. Uh, Hugh. Want a word with you, Scotland Yard. Not your fault. Nine in the corner. Oh, easy as pie. No bet. Gone. You a friend of Henry Brewer? That's right. He's with you last Wednesday between seven and nine. Here. Missed. I'm not blind. What you say? Oh, yes. Henry. Yes, he was here. What's your name? Alf Pollock. And yours? Roger Gorman. Nine in the side. Half a crown says you don't. <laughs> None of you were in Shadwell that evening? Shadwell? Oh, no. Very common district. Never go there. Right, Rog? There's rain. Look, you're mucking up our game. If you want to know about Henry, why don't you ask him? We're not his nursemaids. They already have. Hiya, Rog. Alfie. Henry, old cock. Nice to see you. What's the matter, Blackie? You look surprised. Told you I'd nothing to do with that balmy old fool. He must have escaped you. There's no bail for armed robbery. Here, get your clammy hand off me. 
Who said anything about bail? While you was gone, the guy you had framed me double-crossed you. He dropped the charges. Now put that in your hat and wear it. You know, many great men have attained the highest office in our land, the presidency of the United States. Can you guess the name of this man? He never wanted to be president, since he personally felt he was unqualified for the office. When he was only 30 years old, he was appointed member of the Ohio Superior Court. He was President Grant's Secretary of War and Attorney General. In 1908, through the recommendation and support of Theodore Roosevelt, he succeeded Roosevelt as president. If you don't have his name by now, here's another clue. During his administration, the Postal Savings Plan and Parcel Post were established. Who was he? William Howard Taft, 27th President of the United States. His life is part of your American heritage. Now, the second act of Pursuit of the Night Boys. We stood under the white glare of a pool table light. The three youths, between 18 and 20, dressed in the height of their fashion. Jackets too long, trousers too tight, and hats worn at an aggressive angle. Two of them stood leaning on their cues, cigarette dangling loosely from their lips, looking with admiration at the third, who was obviously their leader, Henry Brewell. He had put it across the police, knew it, and with his friends was proud of it. Now we had to find out why Mr. Westbourne had so suddenly, in our absence, dropped the charge. And after a call to the yard, we went to a cleaning and pressing establishment in Shadwell. I still say we're going to be wasting our time, sir. I don't think so, Moffat. Oh, maybe, sir. At any rate, it seems to me we're back where we started with those knife boys. And what's more, they know we're onto them. Good afternoon, uh... oh. Mr. Westbourne, why did you withdraw the charge? Well, I... I told him at the station. I, You'd gone. I, I said that I'd, uh, I'd made a mistake. Yes, I know that. But you didn't make a mistake, did you? Oh, yes, yes, I did. The boy looked the same, but when I started to think about it, I knew he wasn't. He too tall. I'd made a mistake. Huh. When did you come to that conclusion? Oh, uh... After I left? When you returned here. Well, well yes, yes. I, I, I thought about it. I, I didn't want to do the boy an injustice. And so you went back to the yard and you told them that you couldn't identify Brule. Yes, yes. I'm sorry. Now, why are you sorry? Well, I, I, I mean the, the trouble it caused. Huh. Well, I may say, Mr. Westbourne, that I don't believe you. I think that you've been threatened. And I think, too, that you've done a very foolish thing. Brewell's guilty, you know that. No, nobody said anything to me. I, I, I just made a mistake and I wanted to make it right. Do you understand that you've left the way open for the gang to continue their activities? I don't know anything about that. Now, look, if you've been threatened, don't you realize that we'll give you protection? All right. I've been threatened. Someone called and said I'd be sorry if I identified that boy. What do you expect? My wife's been hurt. I don't want any more trouble 
Please, forget that I ever came to you. Forget I ever picked out that boy. I was wrong, that's all. A case of this sort would normally have been assigned to a divisional inspector. But the seriousness of the gang attacks which had been springing up in London had forced the yard to bring into play its full resources. We had won the first round by apprehending one of the leaders of the knife boys and had immediately forfeited the second by losing him. The threats which had been directed against Mr. Westbourne only proved how dangerous the situation was becoming. We were determined to exterminate this vicious pack, and we set about to do so. The following week was devoted to a thorough investigation of those boys who were known or were even thought to be involved in previous attacks. Moffat and I went over the list. It had rather frightening proportions. These are the plainclothesmen and flying squad reports, sir. I thought I'd put them together. All right, fire away. It's bigger than we expected. Ah. The big gang call themselves the Knife Boys. There are two or three others, but they seem to work under one leadership. Oh, Brewer? The informers think so. There's a bit of difficulty there, by the way, sir. Oh, what? Not one of the boys listed has a past criminal record. That seems to be the rule with them. I'd make it hard for the informers, I should imagine. Yeah, well, go on. The knife boys move about in groups of four. There are five or six groups. That's enterprising. Sort of minor crime cartel. The other gangs pay what's called protection money to the knife boys. Ah, to stay in existence, I suppose. Huh. No wonder the pool room proprietor wanted to help Brewer. He must pay him quite a retainer for his services. There have been no reports of attacks for a week now. Which means nothing at all. Your Brewer must be feeling quite a little man. He thinks he's made a fool of the yard and he's forced a victim to keep his mouth shut. We could pick him up again, sir. Uh, we couldn't keep him here, though. No. If we're to catch them, they've got to be caught in the act. All right, sir. Now, I'm going to assign as many plainclothes men as we can spare. Watch and follow any group of boys in the eastern section. There's one thing, if I may, sir. Oh? Huh? Do you mind assigning me to Brule and his crowd? I'd rather like collaring that little scut. Yes, yeah, so would I, Moppy. Now, don't you worry. You and I aren't going to sit behind a desk. But we are going to need some help. Help? With them, sir? Uh, somebody, Moffitt, um, more appealing to the knife boys, I think, than you. Yes? Detective Sanderson, sir. All right, Moffitt. Oh, Detective Sanderson. Yes, sir. You'll sit down, please. Thank you, sir. Uh, we've got a bit of work to do together. That knife boy gang. Oh? Yes, sir. For the next few days or weeks, Sanderson, you and I are going to take walks together. Yes, sir. Sooner or later, I hope the leader of the gang is going to have a go at us. We'll do our best to put ourselves at his disposal. Very well, sir. Um, it, it might get a little sticky, so if you'd rather... I should love it, sir. Very well. Now we'll begin tonight. Have your supper, and then you meet me at the yard at 7.30. I, uh, I hope you like walking, Sanderson. I think I shall like walking, sir. 
Carrie Sanderson was one of the yard's best policewomen. She was also extremely attractive. I will admit the latter quality served to make a monotonous task less tedious. For the next ten days, we walked from eight until eleven o'clock at night. Moffat drove us in a radio car to likely darkened streets where we got out and, as innocently as possible, appeared to be strolling homeward. I had assigned a man to watch the pool room, which seemed to be the headquarters of the gang. His job was to contact the yard as soon as Brule and his boys left. The yard, in turn, were to notify us in the radio car. For ten days, our efforts were fruitless. Two other subsidiary gangs were caught and arrested, but Brule made no move. It was the evening of the 11th day that we got word. Is all right, sir? Yes, yes, all right. Do nicely, Muffet. Off, five, six. Off, five, six. Yes, I'm good, sir. Don't stop, Muffet. Off, five, six. Your men and three others left meeting place five minutes ago on foot, heading toward Cambridge Road vicinity. Car 56. Car 56. We've received you. Stand by. Turn left on Lehman Street and then head east on Whitechapel Road. Right, then. Uh, hand me the mic, will you? Here you are, sir. Car 56. Car 56 to CID. Message follows. Send a car to corner of Bethnal Green Road and Goff Lane. Pool room. Tell them to stand by. When they get the order, arrest owner Higgins and take him down. Car 56, out. Car 56, message received. CID, out. All right, Muffet. When we get to Cambridge Road, Sanderson and I will get out. We'll follow without lights about a square behind. I don't want them to get windy. Right, sir. <laughs> I hope we get them tonight, sir. Yeah. Yeah. Pete tired? No, sir, but my young man is. We haven't seen each other since I've been on this job. Well, then I hope we do get them tonight, Donaldson. Now, by the way, if they do turn up and it looks like trouble, I want you to run like the devil. I will, sir. Uh, uh, Sanderson, uh, would you do something for me? Yes, sir. Uh, just once, don't call me sir. Now, I feel as though we've known each other all our lives, and I shan't consider it familiar if you say... Inspector, or Black, or anything. Your first name is Peter, isn't it? Yes. Yes. My first name is Mary. Ah. Under that streetlight. Next square. See? Four after. Yes. All right, Sanderson. Yes, sir. Uh, hard day today, my dear? Not bad. Good. Uh, get anything nice for supper? The usual. Oh? Yes, Jim, sir. They're coming. Yes, I hope Muffet's seen them. Run when I tell you to. What about you, dear? Huh? Nice day? Uh, rotten. Oh, shame. Oh, well, as always tomorrow. It could be worse. Tomorrow? No, dear. I mean... Jim? Got a match? Huh? Oh, uh... Yes, yes, of course. Nice night. Uh, yeah. 
All right, this is a sticker. Hand it over. Delighted. Run, Sanderson. Cops in. Beat. Naughty boy, you shouldn't play with knives. There's another scram. Oh, scram you. I think I'd put a stop to that for a little while. Ain't be a good chap. Call through to have Higgins arrested, and then we'll pile this lot in the car, and we'll take him in. After the arrest of Henry Brewer and his little friends, the knife boys fell to pieces. With the assurance of safety to his wife and himself, Mr. Westbourne and several other victims appeared in court and gave evidence. Higgins, the pool room proprietor, was convicted as an accessory. Detective Sanderson, I gave her two days' leave to be with her young man. Pursuit. And the pursuit is ended. You know many great men have attained the highest office in our land, the Presidency of the United States. Can you guess the name of this man? The Presidency was the first and only public office he ever held. He never went to school, but was taught at home by a tutor. Like his father, he also became a military man and remained in the service until his nomination to the Presidency in 1848. He was the second and last member of the Whig Party to become President. If you don't have his name by now, here's another clue. During his presidency, gold was discovered in California. Who was he? Zachary Taylor, 12th President of the United States. His life is part of your American heritage. you to join us next week at this same time when Pursuit will bring you another dramatic story of the famous Inspector Peter Black of Scotland Yard, relentlessly hunting down those whose disordered passions breed violence and murder. Another story of man hunting man when we bring you Pursuit. Ben Wright as the famous inspector Peter Black of Scotland Yard has been a presentation of the United States Armed Forces Radio and Television Service.
welcome back. This episode had a real uh, procedural feel uh, to it, particularly, you know, even going back to the lineup at the start of the program. In fact, I wondered, you know, you know I, I was wondering if we would have a British version of the uh, lineup. The lot, you know, at the start of the show, we uh, they would have the uh, banter between uh, the sergeant and. Uh, the people in the lineup. So we get the way the lineup began only with dialect. But, uh, thankfully it didn't quite turn out that way. Uh, but, uh, an interesting, uh, program and, like I said, a real procedural edge into how this was uh, conducted. Well, we turn now to listener comments and feedback and we have a review on iTunes from, uh, Unhappy Limousine who writes, found this wonderful website through the TuneIn app, which accessed Adam's programs well enough, but in comparison to the uh, Great Detectives app, is quite clunky, not to mention all the unique enhancements this app provides, kind of like the difference between black and white and color. Once you've experienced color, you'll never go back. Notch features, easy to use, and audio quality of uh, playback uh, through apps superior to TuneIn. Well, thanks so much. I'm glad you found us to tune in and uh, have enjoyed uh, using the app, which is available for both the uh, uh, in the iTunes store and also for uh, uh, Android through the Amazon App Store. And uh, then we also received a comment from a listener, uh, and Derek uh, writes in, great podcast, thanks for doing it. Well, thanks so much, Derek, and uh, that will do it for today. We will be back tomorrow with Pat Novak for Hire, and join us back here next Monday for another episode of Pursuit. Uh, if you have a comment, send it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter, Radio Detectives, and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.